0: morning please sit down and uh, welcome to London Road Baptist Church. There's just something that we cannot do by ourselves and that is worship together. We want to see God's kingdom here this morning. We give you all a very warm welcome and if it's your first time here or if you're on holiday um, we hope that you enjoy your time with us and pray that you will meet with God this morning. First of all, I I want to just say a massive thank you to you all for your prayers and your support, for your food, abundance of food, there's lots of flowers on our house, your general love and kindness while Liz has been in hospital and while she's been at home recovering. It's been amazing and I just want to thank you all. You know who you are. Liz is still very tired and obviously still in pain. Um, But when we saw the surgeon he is very happy with how Liz is doing and I want to thank you for your prayers Um, I want to thank you that thank God that her recovery is is happening. She is slightly better than she was two weeks ago She has had no complications and is getting better every day. So thank you once again for your support and your prayers We started a little bit earlier today to encourage you into a time of worship as we get ready to worship God together. As part of our worship, we bring our offering to God now. The offertory here just helps support what we do here as a church and the clubs and the groups um, that many of you are involved in. So, is it Fox today? Is it your team? Um, it's time for the offertory, please. And while we do that, just turn around and say hello to the person next to you, the person behind you. Make somebody feel really welcome this morning here at London Road. Okay, I think we are all done. Fox and his team have done what they need to do. So hopefully, I can bore you back to the front. Okay, God has been so good to us. And the offertory here is just a little something that we can give back to god so let's just pray and give thanks heavenly father like i've just said you are so good to us you are good to each and every one of us and our offering here this morning really is so insignificant and yet we give all we can we give what we can both in our time and our money because we want to see your kingdom grow here And the money we pray that we give to the church, we pray that the church would use wisely to help grow your kingdom here in in Lowestoft and throughout the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I've based this morning, I feel really alone up here this morning because I've normally got Liz here with me and I've got my right-hand man or woman. um, So I feel a bit lost without her, to be honest. I've got to be honest, I don't function that well without her, really, and she'll tell you that. Um, But I've based this morning on John 20, verse 31, please, Janet. Thank you. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. I would say that our primary purpose as a Christian is is to worship our Heavenly Father that's why we're created we're created to worship him and our next priority is to tell the rest of the world about him and about his amazing grace so just like John 20 I am here to try and help you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing in him you are heirs to the throne of God and his children And even if you already know that, it's not a bad idea to have a reminder here and there. We're going to pray, we're going to sing, and then I'm going to bring my talk. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you help us this morning to worship you in spirit and in truth. As we worship you, come and fill this place with your presence. As we worship you, please send your spirit today. As we worship you, fill us with your spirit, we ask. We want to lift this place in praise to your name. We want to praise you this morning. Almighty God. Amen. So we're going to sing two songs. Please stand as we sing Water You Turned Into Wine. So the first schoolboy error of the morning, I haven't got the actual reading in front of me, I didn't put it on my iPad, which means I've got to try and read it off the screen behind, but we are going to, I'm going to do my talk, I've been asked to do my talk on John 7, 1 to 24. After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judah where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' Jesus's brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Jesus replied, Now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go any time. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me, because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I'm not going to come to the festival because my time has not yet come. After saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of the public view. The Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anybody had seen him. There was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. Some argued, he's a good man. But others said, he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in the public, for they were afraid of getting into trouble with the Jewish leaders. Then, midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. The people were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much? He hasn't been trained, they asked. So Jesus told them, my message is not my own, it comes from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who speaks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth and not lies. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obey it. In fact, you are trying to kill me. The crowd replied, You are demon-possessed. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the Sabbath, and you were amazed. But you work on the Sabbath. Two, when you obey Moses' law of circumcision, I'm going to miss the next bit, for it is the correct time for circumcising your son falls on the Sabbath. You go ahead and do it as not to break the law of Moses. So why should you be angry with me for healing a man on the Sabbath? Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. And we pray that the Lord will add his blessing upon this word this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for for the Bible. And we thank you for your word that is written by you. Lord, there's so much in it, and sometimes it's difficult to understand and, and to get our heads round. But I pray this morning that you would open our ears, open our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us this morning through your word. So be with us in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So, like I said earlier, I have titled my talk so that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm going to start this morning with something that's been an integral part of my life, camping. From an early age, going camping has been a fairly big part of my life, starting off with the boys' brigade, going to all sorts of wonderful places, getting up to all sorts of mischief, from midnight feasts to hiding in the woods in the middle of the night from the officers. I clearly remember sneaking out to sabotage a nearby BB company in the next field. Sorry, Alec and Carol. We probably gave you, sorry, Alec and Keith, we gave you so much grief over the years as young lads. But for me, it was the boys' brigade that helped cement my faith in Jesus. And it gave me some of my fondest memories as a young lad. And also gave me some lifelong friends. So thank you, Alec, and thank you, Keith, for your work. Later on, we would go camping to Greenbelt as a youth group from here. I even went to Stockton on Tees with Rick and Jimmy and the Harveys to catch up with Dave Middlemas. And we also went for a couple of other reasons, didn't we, Rick? But we're not going to go into that. Maybe ask later. But we did end up spending half of our time in Stockton looking for my car keys which we eventually found when we, put, when we took down the tent and we found the keys under the uh, ground sheet. Do you remember that? <laughs> Soon after Liz and I were married, we would go camping with our church friends here. We were so excited when we got our first little caravan and we took it straight out on a camping weekend in the middle of October in the pouring rain with a three-month-old baby. But when we got home, we said, well, if we can survive that, we can survive anything, that camping has to throw at us. You really get to know somebody when you go camping with them, especially when you go camping with the church folk. I remember David and, um, sorry, I remember Christine and David taking their cat with them in their caravan. I remember David and Madeline also putting up their awning inside out and then couldn't work out why it wouldn't zip up. I remember watching the Vaughans drive around and around and around this tree just to get exactly the right spot. I remember Alicia asking, why is the queen camping with us when she saw Carol in the tent? (laughs) Francesca and Martha making ketchup pies in their nappies. It's just some of the good memories that I have. Well, why have I mentioned these? Why have I mentioned camping? Why have I mentioned this? Well, in the first few verses of John 7, It mentions the Festival of Shelters. is also known as the Feast of the Tabernacles. So let's get on to the serious bit. So John 7, verses 1 and 2. After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish Festival of Shelters. So let's have a little look at the Festival of Shelters the Feast of the Tabernacles. This was for the Jewish people to remember when God was faithful to Moses and the Israelites. After their deliverance from Egypt, they journeyed for 40 years in the wilderness, camping in tents. I'm not even sure that Liz and I could have coped with camping for 40 years. But the Israelites did have God's protection and provision. God was constantly faithful supplying with them with fresh manna and quail each morning. If you don't know the story of Moses, it is an excellent read, and it's found in Exodus. Chapter 5, Moses pleads, let my people go. Chapter 7 to 12, the plagues. Chapter 14, the escape. Chapter 16, God's provision, manna and quail. But the Feast of the Tabernacles is also mentioned in 2 Chronicles 8.13 as a festival to remember God's goodness, faithfulness, and provision. It was never forgotten, and it it was still celebrated by King Solomon, and it's still celebrated by the Jews today. Moses lived around about 1,500 years BC. Solomon, about 1,000 years BC. So Solomon celebrated the Feast of the Tabernacles 500 years later, enough to record it in Chronicles. And like I've said, it's still celebrated today. Verse 3. And Jesus' brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. The last time I preached, I spoke from John 6, verse 26. We've had lots of preaching in between, but for some reason I've kind of got almost these two bits together. And John 6, verse 26 says this. I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But this is basically the same. And I said last time that the crowd had followed Jesus because they wanted to be with Jesus. But like Jesus says, it's because they had fed him previously that they wanted to be with him, and they wanted to be fed. It's like these guys who are after an easy life. When you think about it, when they're with Jesus, life's great. He feeds them, he teaches them, he heals them, he comforts them. But the whole purpose of John's gospel is not to show us that Jesus is a good person or a prophet, but it is written to show you and I that Jesus is the Son of God. So we're back to verse 20, sorry, John 20, verse 31. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. They seem to like Jesus' message when he's healing and he's feeding people. But when he starts talking about his body being broken and his blood being shed, it's a bit like, oh really? That's just not so palatable. Verse five, sorry, Janet. Janet's got to do a bit of juggling between verse 20 and then the rest of the passage. Um, so I always like to try out the tech team and you know, make sure they're up to scratch. Um, So verse 5 even his brothers didn't really fully understand who Jesus was But they must have believed in something because they are telling Jesus What he should do go back to Judea and do the the good things that you were doing before So they knew there was something special about Jesus But did they truly believe that he was the Son of God? I'm not so sure It's almost like Please just do the nice stuff, Jesus. Be a healer, be an inspiration, be an encouragement, and maybe just hold back a bit on the sin and death stuff, because kind of people don't like that bit. They wanted Jesus to go and preach a nice, palatable message. A hundred years ago or so, not that I'm quite that old, but I'm halfway there, we used to have the fire and the brimstone sermons the real hard-hitting truth about our consequences of our sin. But it's not a very easy or palatable message to listen to, however true. And if Jesus did the miracles and the good, pleasant talks, that just isn't the real gospel. If we read the gospels correctly, the gospels are not as easy message to swallow as we think. The message of the gospel is that Christ died for your sins and for my sins. And that's not an always an easy thing to grapple with, knowing that your actions, knowing that my actions, have actually put somebody to death. But not just anybody. How about the Son of God? Jesus was ridiculed. Jesus was beaten. Jesus was... He suffered on the cross, his body was broken, and his blood was shed because of what I have done. And sadly, because of what you have done too. But bear in mind, the message does get better. This is not a comfortable read, and that's why it's so hard for some people to take on board. And sometimes I think it's just easier for people to just discount the whole thing because they know that believing in Jesus is going to make them feel uncomfortable and it's gonna change their lives. And people don't necessarily want that. The cross and what happened on the cross is not pretty, but it wasn't meant to be. It was a deterrent for robbers and thieves and murderers to show the onlookers that this is what happens to you if you break the law. The cross only becomes a beautiful sentiment when you receive jesus christ in your heart and you truly fully understand what he has done for you and that through his sacrifice and his resurrection you have the chance of eternal life i believe in the only god that has beaten death I worship a God that has risen from the dead all the other gods out there are in the grave but ours isn't Jesus rose from the dead and conquered death and that's the good news of the gospel if you choose to accept it it gives you and I the chance of eternal life It's then, when you truly begin to understand the love and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and what he has done for you, that you begin to know the real meaning behind the cross. And that hard-hitting, unpalatable message becomes a beautiful symbol of unconditional love. Moving on to verse 7, 7, 8 and 9. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I'm not going to the festival because it's not my time yet. After saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. When Jesus says it's not his time yet to go to the festival of tabernacles, it's because timings are not in our control. Timings are all part of God's plan. And all of our timings fit into his plan. Not his plan fit around our timing. I thought I'd actually pick out a few verses on God's timing. Ephesians 6, 7 to 11. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. He has showed his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. And furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for which he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. His plan. Isaiah 60 verse 22, the fall, the, fullest, the smallest family will become a thousand people and the tiniest group will become a mighty nation. At the right time, I the Lord will make it happen. No other time, at the right time, the Lord will make it happen. Galatians 4.4, 4. but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Romans 5, 6, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. I think that's quite significant. He came at just the right time. Acts 1, verse 6 to 7, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. So we are not to know God's plan or his time. Can you imagine if we knew when the second coming was going to happen? How would that change our outlook on life? As many of you know, Liz and I have recently bought an old house and we're in the process of renovating it. But 18 months ago, when we were struggling to secure any house that we liked, we wondered and prayed if we were even doing the right thing in moving. But our timing didn't fit into God's plan or what he had in store for us. So he held us back. What he knew then, we now know. And that his plan was that we would have a place to stay while our house was being renovated. And this became all apparent when Neil retired and we were able to rent the manse here. So we may have been going through turmoil as a family, trying to work out what the best thing to do for us was. But God's plan is always perfect. In verse 7, Jesus refers to the world as hating him because he accuses them of being evil. And when Jesus says that he accuses the world of doing evil, he's not just talking about the lost outside these four walls but he's also talking about you and I. I think one of the biggest lies that we tell ourselves as a Christian is that I'm all right. I'm a decent enough person. I do my best. I'm better than him or better than her. My sins aren't that bad really. I haven't murdered anybody yet. It's okay to kick off now and then. It's okay to gossip. It's okay to do this. It's okay to do that. It's okay if I live like this as long as I continue to do my little bit for God, here and there, every so often. But that's just one big lie. It's a lie that we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better about who we really are. But Jesus says that this is evil, because we are living a lie. We're not just lying to God, we're not just lying to others, but we're also lying to ourselves. How many times do you stand here, in front of God, utterly ashamed ashamed of who you are as a Christian, and think, how can a loving God have enough grace for a sinner like me? But if you think like that, if you think that God could never forgive you for what you've done, then you're hugely mistaken. And you clearly haven't grasped the true meaning of the cross. It's a bit like saying that even though Jesus was spat on, he was ridiculed, he was beaten, he was crucified, and he gave up everything for you, that that wasn't enough? And I'm sure that you'll agree with me when I say that Jesus couldn't have done any more to show you and me how much he loved us. And that's why in a few minutes we're going to be meeting around the Lord's table to remember his incredible sacrifice for you and I. Moving on to verse 10, 11, and 12, please, Janet. But after his brothers left the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of public view. The Jewish leaders had tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anybody had seen him. There was a lot of grumbling about him amongst the crowd. Some argued, he's a good man. But others said, he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. And verse 13, sorry. Sorry. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public, for they were afraid of getting into trouble with the Jewish leaders. So, in these verses, it shows that Jesus was on a hiding to nothing. People were openly calling him a fraud and generally bad mouthing him. And yet, the people who did like and follow Jesus' teaching couldn't really say anything positive and encouraging about Jesus because they were afraid of getting into trouble with the Jewish leaders themselves. This really was a no-win situation for Jesus. Which is why he didn't initially go to the festival in verse eight, as that wasn't the right time. But he did end up going to the festival because by verse 10 he was there, but keeping a low profile. And by verse 14, he was teaching in the temple. So verses 14 to 19, please. Then midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. The people were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained, they asked. So Jesus told them, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks the truth and not lies. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obeys it. In fact, you are trying to kill me. So the crowd are questioning how does he know so much stuff when he hasn't been trained and he hasn't been taught? All very good questions. But religious leaders would have been taught by their peers and they would have credibility because of who taught them. It's a bit like their pedigree. When we appoint a new minister here at LRBC, we look at their CV and we check to see where they've been trained and whether they've been trained at Spurgeon's College or the BBC, the Baptist Bible College, by the way, um, to see if, they think that the tra- if we think that their training is fit for them to come and teach us. Like our new minister, Lou. She's been trained at Spurgeon's College. But Jesus says his knowledge comes from God. And it's up to them if they choose to accept whether the message is the truth from God or a pack of lies. And to be fair, it's the same for us. It's up to you whether you choose to believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Or whether you choose to discard the truth. But Jesus go on goes on to say that they believe in the law of Moses, which is, come on, you know this one. The law of Moses is, thank you, thank you very much, the Ten Commandments. I knew someone would know it here. <laughs> so they, they believed in the Ten Commandments. They, used, um, they lived by the Moses' law of the Ten Commandments. But Jesus points out that even though they may believe in it, they don't obey it. Because they wanted to kill him. And commandment number six, thou shalt not kill. They didn't even live by their own standards. Verse 20, the crowd replied, you're demon-possessed. Who's trying to kill you? The crowd managed to turn that back on Jesus and said, who's trying to kill you? You're demon-possessed, making him just look paranoid in front of the crowd. Okay, on to the last few verses. And when I first read these, I thought, oh, great. Trust me to get the passages on circumcision. And if you're not sure what circumcision is, don't come and ask me later. I'll let the leadership team deal with that one. And it's probably best not to Google it either. Okay, so here goes, 21, 22, and 23. Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the sabbath and you were amazed but you work on the sabbath too when you obey moses's law of circumcision for if the correct time for circumcision your son falls on the sabbath you go ahead and do it so as not to break the law of moses so why should you be angry with me for healing a man on the sabbath again jesus is normally pretty good at turning the question back on them and he's basically point-blank calling them hypocrites, saying that, so it's okay for you to circumcise on the Sabbath where you mutilate somebody's body, but I can't do a healing miracle on the Sabbath, make somebody whole or well again. Just showing them how flawed their arguments are, even though, spoiler alert, it's these slanders from the Jewish leaders that eventually help in leading putting Jesus to death. Verse 24, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. And this is where I'm going to finish. We need to look beneath the surface to find where we stand in Jesus Christ. Because when we look at ourselves in the context of the Gospels, that is when the message goes from being about my sin and our sin, my death and our death, to a gospel of love and grace and forgiveness, a gospel of resurrection power, a gospel of hope and a gospel of eternal life. Which leads me straight back to John 20 but these are written, so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. I have said these things this morning so that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So the choice is yours. Do you believe that Jesus is the who he says he is. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And if not, or you're just not sure, or you struggle with something, then just come and have a chat with us later. Not necessarily me, but you can come and have a chat with me, that's fine, but come and have a chat with our leadership team, with our prayer team. And we can help you with what you are struggling with. Do you believe that His sacrifice on the cross for you is all that you need. Then if so, come and join us around his table. And not just to remember his sacrifice, but also to be thankful for all that he has done for you and continues to do for you on a daily basis. And if you're not sure, and you're not quite ready to meet around the table, then just let the bread and the wine pass you by. And use this time to ask God for some clarity with what you need. Like I said in my talk, as Christians we are really good at letting God down. Doing our own thing, thinking that we're actually not that bad. But I don't know about you, but I really need this time around the Lord's table to remember exactly what Jesus has done for me. And remind me just how far i fall short of what god actually requires of me because if you believe in god and that jesus is the savior of mankind and you constantly fall short like i do of what god requires it's nobody's fault but yours thank you janet
1: Nobody's fault but mine Nobody's fault but
0: So as we get ready to meet around the Lord's table, the good news is that Jesus has done the hard work. Jesus has done the beatings and the sacrifice and the hanging on the cross that we deserve, that you deserve. He's done and taken our sins away. He's done that hard work. So like the song says, it's nobody's fault for our own if we end up becoming lost. So if you're ready to meet around the Lord's table, um, I'm going to ask the worship band to come up and just get ready. And I'm not sure if we have service this morning. How many do we need? Four? Um, Can I have four of the deacons come up? Maybe some of the new deacons, Lynn and um, yeah, please, yeah. Sorry, mental block. Name's gone. (laughs) Um, Anna, that'd be great. Um, But I need four all together. Sorry. Yeah, I'll do that in a minute. Yeah, just come forward, and then we're ready. And as we're forward, yeah, come on, Phyllis, you coming forward? Yeah, I don't mind really. We're going to pray. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, first of all, I just want to thank you that you sent your son to come and save us. Your son has done and been crucified for what we deserve. We cannot thank you enough for um, giving us this opportunity to say thank you and remember what he has done for us. And it is so good to know that it didn't end there and he rose from the dead. He conquered death. And we thank you for that because it gives us the chance of eternal life. So thank you for all that you have done. Forgive us, Lord, that we fall short. Forgive us, Lord, that we are a broken people who just mess up time and time and time and time and time again. I don't understand, Lord, how you have so much grace in your heart to just keep forgiving us. But we thank you that you do. We thank you so much, Lord, for your sacrifice. We thank you so much for your gift. So as we meet around your table, I pray a blessing upon the bread and the wine. And pray that as we receive the bread and the wine, that we'll just remember what you have done. Be thankful for what you've done. Ask for forgiveness for what we have done. And that you will change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we eat the bread as we receive it. And we just take a moment to say thank you to God and ask for his forgiveness for breaking his son on the cross. for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes we retain the cup and we all drink together and when he took a cup he had given thanks and he gave it to them saying drink of it all of you for this is my blood my blood of the Covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of your sins, we keep the cups, and we all drink together as a sign of our unity in fellowship with Jesus Christ.
1: Thank you, Father. Cross. Thank you, Father.
0: As we all drink together, we just say thank you for the cross, my friend. Amen. team just collect the glasses I thought I'd give you all a chance and maybe just even one person a chance really doesn't matter if it's one or all to recommit because it's times like this that sometimes I feel that there's just needs to be a bit of recommitment to who we are and what we stand for as a person in Jesus So we're going to sing a song called, Into Your Hands, I Commit Again. And it's just about saying that actually, God, I just want to recommit myself to you. I want to wipe the slate clean and start afresh. As I say, God's done the hard work by sending his son to die for us. Jesus has done the hard work on the cross. It's all we've got to do is try and be the best we can. The person that God created us to be for him. And sometimes that just takes recommitment of who we are and just going, actually, from this moment forward, I want to walk right with you, Lord. And then when we've done that, we're going to finish with a time of worship because this is a new beginning. This is a new start. From this day, you can change everything that you do to be the person that you want to be for God and we're gonna go out on a high singing a few songs. So let's sing, into your hands I commit again. So if that's you this morning and you really feel that you want to recommit your life to God this morning and you need help with that, then come and see us afterwards. Come into the corner and we'll pray with you as a team. And Heavenly Father, we thank you that every day we can change and recommit our lives to you. It doesn't matter whether we've just told a little white lie Or we've done something really serious we can turn straight back to you and say Lord I'm just so sorry and you forgive and you wipe the slate clean so we thank you Lord that we've asked to wipe the slate clean here this morning and we pray that you will be with us this week as we have a clean slate and we thank you Lord for that So, Lord, as we continue to worship you, we just want to lift this place in your name with praise. We want to raise the roof and give you all the praise and the worship and the glory that you deserve. Lord, accept our praise and send your spirit, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing. theme you know when we give our lives over to God and when we become his family we become his children heirs to his throne and we're going to stay with the theme of being I am a child of God (music) We'll be right back.
1: back.
2: I just really felt while we were while we were um, singing that that um, we're all slaves to something or have all been slaves to something. As you know, um, mine was alcohol. Um, four years, two weeks ago. Praise God. Um, I just really felt as though I wanted to sing alcohol instead of fear. Um, and and I, I just thought that would be really nice to sort of say that together and have a think about what is your slave? What is it you don't want to be a slave to anymore? It could be anything. It could be chocolate. It could be it's something really massively important or but something that is stopping you from being who God wants you to be. So I'm going to say that chorus. I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. Um, but I'm going to say the chorus, and I'm going to leave it silent for the word fear. And I would like you to put your own word in. Please don't feel you have to say it out loud. But I would just like us to think about what we're slave to and what we, can, what we are no longer bound by now that we know Jesus. So I'm no longer a slave to I am a child of God, I'm no longer a slave to, I am a child of God.
0: become free in Jesus as all you want to do is share who you are with other people you want to share the name of Jesus so as we leave this place we're going to sing I want to speak the name of Jesus because we are free we're free in him and we want to share that to the world and like I said right at the beginning of the service our primary goal our primary aim as a Christian is to praise and worship our Lord Jesus Christ but our second priority is once we know that is to share him with everybody that we see who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. So I want to speak the name of Jesus to all we meet. has spoken to you this morning and you just need somebody to pray with and come and meet us in the corner and we'll pray with you because God can free you from whatever you struggle with so Heavenly Father as we leave this place this morning we just ask that you'll be with us this week and we ask that you will help us to speak your name to all we meet because your name is power and your name is healing and you are an almighty God, and we just thank you for that, and thank you for this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.